0: Today's teaching text is taken from Ruth, chapter 2, verses 8-12, through and it reads, So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. These are the words of the Lord.
1: Good morning. My name is Nikki Ashiru. I'm one of the elders here at Trinity Grace Church. Today I get to share with you out of the book of Ruth. This is a short book rich in Jewish culture, but it packs a really powerful message. So like the book of Ruth, hopefully my sermon today is short, but God has a powerful message for us. There are three main people in this story. Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. They each have a different situation and circumstance, and God meets each one of their needs abundantly. I want you to listen closely today, because I believe God has a word for you that you will relate to one of these three people in this story. Let's surrender our hearts and open our hearts to what God has to say to us today. Lord, we just... I want to hear from you today. God, I want to get out of the way and let you speak. God, would you speak to us powerfully and clearly today? Open our hearts. Would you open our minds to hear what you have to say to us today? Give us hearts to respond. Just pray for surrendered hearts, that we would just be obedient to what you have to say today. What a privilege to be here and get to hear your word. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this story, the book of Ruth, occurs during the time of judges. Je- the judges. The time of the Judges is basically from the death of Joshua to the reign of Saul, Israel's first king. And during the time of the Judges, it's a season in Israel's history where the weren't really, Israelites weren't really listening to God, they were disobedient. They were doing things their own way. There's really complete moral depravity going on in society. At this time, there's also a famine. So there's this Jewish couple, Naomi and Elimelech, and they have two sons, Melon and Kilion. So during this famine, this family moves to Moab, a neighboring country, for a while. Now, Moab... Is actually was a country nearby that was an enemy of God. So this family moves out of Bethlehem, which actually means house of God, and they move to the enemy's camp. So they left the house of God where they're frustrated and there's need, there's a famine, but they leave the house of God to get their needs met elsewhere. Now, while they're far off from God in Moab, they get comfortable and they reside there for 10 years. However, during that time, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies. Both of her sons marry Moabite women, but at the end of the ten years there, both of Naomi's sons also die. That's hard, right in the beginning of the story. That's a lot of loss. I just want to pause and reflect on what Naomi might be feeling and experiencing in this time, so we can really get what's going on for her in this story. She's lost everything, her husband, her only children, her two boys. She might be feeling deep pain, despair, maybe struggling with depression, maybe angry, wondering why is this happening to me? So in her sorrow, Naomi decides that she's going to return to Bethlehem. Naomi tells her daughters-in-law to return to their parents. They're from Moab. She says, Go home. Your parents will understand, they'll take you in, they'll provide for you. You can start over, get a second chance. So one of the, the daughter in law goes home. But Ruth, Ruth says to Naomi, Stop telling me to leave you, for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge, your people shall be my people, and your God my God." So while wow, Ruth, this Moabite women, woman who's lost her husband, she decides to go all in with Naomi. She decides not to do the easier thing, not to return to her family and stay in her country and in her culture, but she goes with Naomi to a new land. A people she doesn't know, but she's probably heard stories about God's people. So she takes a big step of faith, and with faith, takes risk. And we don't know more about Ruth. We don't know what kind of family she came from. We don't know if she's rich or poor, what the other part of her story is. But what we do know, she confesses to make God of the Israelites her God. So Naomi and Ruth travel to Bethlehem, back to the house of God. So you have two widows traveling, right? You've got Naomi, an old widow. She's a bitter Israelite. She's so bitter that when she returns, she actually tells people, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasure. She told them, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune on me. You hear Naomi's pain and frustration and despair. Naomi's blaming God. She's upset with God. And she's been away from God and God's people for 10 years now. It's interesting that when she left Bethlehem, there was a famine. Her stomach was empty. But when she returns to Bethlehem, the famine is over. And the harvest is beginning, and God is about to fill her. So we have Naomi and Ruth. Ruth is also a widow, but she's a foreigner. She's a Gentile. Together they immigrate to Bethlehem. Now, in the Old Testament, there were many laws, and in Leviticus 19, it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So Ruth begins to glean in a field with other poor and sojourners. Now somehow she ends up in Boaz's field. So Boaz was a relative of Elimelech, Naomi's late husband. Now he was a kind, respected, and prosperous man, a man of good standing. Boaz comes to his field one day and he notices Ruth and he asks his field overseer, who who is she? And he tells him, she's worked hard all day with just a short rest. And he tells Boaz the story of how she left her home country and came to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law. So Boaz says to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. At this, Ruth bows down her face to the ground and asks Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? And Boaz replies I've been told all about what you have done for your mother in law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland, and you came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Did you catch that? Boaz said this blessing over not only a woman and a widow, but a Gentile, a foreigner. It's beautiful. Ruth is seen. You see, I'm reminded that we, as our earthly eyes and our ears, what do we see when we see a poor foreigner gleaning at the edge of the field? Even today, we would often, you know, see them. They're often seen as just poor, a widowed foreigner, immigrant, no good. But she is seen and valued by Boaz. See, God looks at something different. I'm reminded from 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, God says when he's choosing, when Samuel's going to appoint the new king, God says, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Ruth, Ruth's heart is seen. Ruth is seen and her story is heard. Now, when Naomi hears how Boaz is treating Ruth, she's reinvigorated. She seems amazed. She says, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. This man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. So you have these two widows living in Bethlehem trying to get by, right? So Ruth is gleaning in the field and trying to provide for the two of them. Now in Jewish culture, a kinsman redeemer, is a male relative who, according to various laws from the Old Testament, had the privilege or the responsibility to act for a relative who was in trouble, danger, or in need of vindication. So this relative would also restore and preserve the full community rights of disadvantaged family members. So in this case, Ruth and Naomi need the kinsman redeemer to step up and to buy Naomi's land and marry Ruth and have children to carry on Naomi and Elamak's family name and ultimately provide protection and security to these widows. So Boaz continues to give favor to Ruth each day that she comes and gleans in his field. One night, Naomi gives instruction to Ruth on how to basically show Boaz that she hopes he will become their kinsman redeemer and marry Ruth to carry on Naomi and Elamech's family name. Now, again, Ruth is a foreigner. She's new to this land and new to this culture. But she does what Naomi says. She takes big steps of faith and risk again. Hebrews 11.1 reminds us what faith is. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. Confidence in what we hope for. An assurance about we, what we do not see. So Ruth and Naomi hope that Boaz will fulfill his kinsman redeemer responsibilities. So Ruth puts her, herself out there in this beautiful way and Boaz responds perfectly. He's a man of his word. He will do everything in his power to bring redemption to both Ruth and Naomi. He quickly gathers 10 elders And he brings along an unnamed kinsman. There's a male relative who's actually closer to Elimelech than Boaz is, so he brings this man in, and he does, with the elders, an impromptu meeting. Now, the kinsman who's closer to Elimelech declines. He says the cost is too high. It puts his own future at risk, so he declines to take on the kinsman-redeemer responsibilities. So Boaz, who's next in line, he steps in, and he makes good on his word. He joyfully takes on the responsibility of caring for both Ruth and Naomi. It's important to note here, you see, that kinsman who was first, first in line was too, consu- too concerned with carrying on his own family name and saving his own lineage. Yet he's unnamed in this story. And Boaz, who didn't concern himself with whose name he was carrying on, but instead cared about these women and about doing God's will, he is named and remembered for his obedience and the good that he does. Matthew 16, verse 25 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So Boaz redeems them properly. Ruth and Boaz marry, and they have a child. Do you know what child they have? Do you know how this story continues? Their, their child's name is Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of King David. So Naomi, who came back to God empty, lost, She becomes the great-grandmother to King David. And a Gentile, a foreigner, an immigrant, Ruth, becomes part of David's ancestry. And therefore, they both become part of Jesus's ancestry. See, God had greater plans for Naomi and Ruth than they could have ever known, especially in that hard, hard moment in their loss. But God turned their mourning into rejoicing. The beautiful thing about this, this story, this account, is it's a beautiful picture of what faith looks like in a really dark time in society. The time of judges, again, it was a period where people were not pursuing God. There's moral depravity. People aren't trusting in God. They're not looking to God. Everyone's out for themselves, doing their own thing. So it reminds us even today in our how this word is relevant to us. You don't have to be a leader. You don't have to be rich, or a person of influence, or even a US citizen. You can take a step of faith, just choosing to believe God, to turning to the house of God. God says, come as you are, and I will give you rest. Come broken. Come hurting. God is faithful to turn your mourning into rejoicing. He will not disappoint you. And I think our world needs more people to take steps of faith. So that's the story. So now I want us to really ponder, what is God saying to us today? I just love how relevant and alive God's word is. I want you to take a moment. Who stuck out to you in this story? Is it Naomi? Are you feeling like Naomi today? Is that the season of life that you're in? You see, Naomi's story is one of redemption, from despair to happiness. She moves from emptiness to fullness, and from destitution to security and hope. God is faithful to Naomi even when she's not faithful to him. Is that where you're at today? Are you feeling like you're in a famine? Like there's just unanswered prayers and God is not coming through? Or maybe you've just experienced a crippling loss. Are you trying to make sense of the depression and the anger and the despair that you're feeling? Maybe you're experiencing a crisis of faith. And maybe you're going somewhere else to get your needs met. Maybe you're in Moab, an enemy country. It's hard to remember and believe in those moments that God has a plan, that his grace is sufficient, and that he will deliver you. Jeremiah 29.11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And Psalm 23 reminds us, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God promises you right now who feel like Naomi, if that's your heart, God promises to never leave or forsake you. And he's not a man that he should lie. So if that's you today, I want you to come down for prayer when we're done because God wants to fill you today. God has a word and a promise, just like Naomi. You have no idea all that God has in store for you. Maybe it's Ruth that you relate to today. Ruth's story is really unique. She's a a Moabite woman. And all her, her, she's married, her whole life and her promise was stripped from her. And in that sorrow, that loss, she takes steps of faith She leaves all that she knows to go to Bethlehem, the house of God, and declares that God is her God. I think that's significant for someone today. Some of you today might feel like you're a foreigner, like you don't belong here. And it could be the color of your skin, tired of having to check the other box for race and ethnicity, Maybe it's a chronic disease. Maybe you just don't feel like you can be a Christian because of where you've come from and the life of sin that you've, you've done and seen and that's happened to you and that you've been participant in. You are here today for a reason. You've taken a step and you're in God's house. God's blessing extends to you. See, Ruth exemplifies the truth Participation in the coming kingdom of God is not decided by your nationality, your past, your gender, your social status, or even your citizenship, (laughs) but by conforming your life to the will of God through obedience of faith. Then I have a challenge for the church. If you're not feeling like Naomi and Ruth relate to you today, there's a challenge for us to be like Boaz. Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. May we choose to be men and women like Boaz, who are willing to obey God, willing to redeem, love, and care for the least in our midst, those the world has rejected. Are we willing to surrender our lives to God's will? You see, there was a cost for Boaz to be the kinsman redeemer. He gave up his lineage because now his children would carry on Elimelech's family name. He gave up life for the sake of others. There are some of you today that God is challenging you to be like Boaz, to be kinsman redeemers to people around you. Remember God's heart. It's very clear today. Leviticus reminds us in God's law that we're not to harvest our fields all the way to the edge. Leave some for the poor and the immigrants to glean. So God's desire is that we don't use all that we have. We share and we give some away to the poor, the immigrants, the refugees. How are we doing that as a church today. I'm not talking about just the government laws. What does God have to say? God, one of God's greatest commandments is to love him and to love one another. How are you participating in loving the poor, the immigrants and the refugees in our society today? There are children still separated from their parents. There are people who've resided here for decades who are being deported and being stripped away from their families. Remember, God chose Ruth, a Gentile, a foreigner, an immigrant, a widow, to be a part of Jesus' lineage. What might God be doing around us with immigrants and sojourners to bring forth his kingdom? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like the, unma- the unnamed kinsman who missed out on being a part of God's story. Church, I don't want to sit here and not participate in what God is doing in our society today. You hear God's heart in this story. God is about loving the immigrant, loving the downcast, loving the heavy burdened loving the widow, loving the one who's rejected and seen as not worth anything. God is about loving the one who's lost her children. God is about loving the least. And God is about sharing our resources. You see, we know a lot of the stories. God's kingdom is built with people who are misfits. Murderers, prostitutes, liars, cheaters, the least forgotten, rejected, hated in society. Who are you spending time with? Where are you? What are you living for? So I leave you with that. How are we being obedient? With our money, our resources, our platform? For advocacy and conversation? How are we being obedient with our living rooms and how we spend our time and our dinner tables? Maybe influencing policymakers, all these things. How are you using what God has given you to be part of the redemption that God is doing around us? We can choose to play it safe or we can choose to live lives in complete obedience to God. Our choices will dictate the type of legacy we leave behind. There's one more thing. I told you it would be short. But there's one more thing I have to leave you with. Because none of this is possible without this truth. And I need to make sure that either you hear this for the first time today, please come up and respond. And if you're hearing it for the hundredth time, let it sink in and transform your life. Do you know who your Redeemer is? There was a baby who was prophesied about, born to a virgin. He lived a life without sin. He was sentenced to death. He surrendered, submitted, gave himself over to be humiliated, beaten, mocked, and ultimately died on the cross for you, for you, so that you can receive forgiveness from all of your sins. Nothing's too big, nothing's too messy, and until so you can have eternal life with him. God promises to provide for you, restore you, redeem your story, heal you, and set you free. That's why Jesus came. So will you take a step today, like Naomi, and return to the house of the Lord. Will you take a step today like Ruth and confess that he is your God? And will you choose today to be like Boaz, to be a redeemer for your neighbor? Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this story. I thank you for how it's stirring up our spirits right now. I pray that you would continue the good work that you started in us. You promise to complete the good work you started in us. I pray that we just come to you today, as we said, in our truth, where we're at today. Meet us where we're at. But God, I pray that we as a church would respond, that we wouldn't walk out of here the same, but that we would be transformed. Holy Spirit, continue to speak to us if there's ways that we need to respond. Things we need to do differently are just come on our knees and surrender to you. Whatever it is today, Lord, have your way. Do it in us. May we be your church. May we be your hands and feet on earth. Have your way in us. Redeem and restore. Have your way in our midst, Lord. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name.